turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together, and I appreciate you being here. The Pro-America Report, you know, I have done probably 50 Five zero interviews over the last uh, two weeks because of people wanting to talk about January 6th and my background as a lawyer for some of the January 6th folks and also the uh, my service on the Patriot Freedom Project uh, board of directors. And it's been extraordinary. It's been really great. An awful lot of people are willing to talk and think about January 6th in a way that was different even than six months ago, certainly a year ago and 18 months ago. People were almost openly hostile, even on our side, even more conservative people. And uh, I credit efforts like you, the Pro-America Report listeners, uh, and so many others for getting the word out and continuing to talk about exactly what's going on. I, I just got an email from someone. They they, they uh, sent me an image of one of the social media. I think it was Instagram. And it was a meme picture of a, a woman. She's holding a hot dog. She said, let me get this straight. They can, uh, they can tell me who bought a hot dog at uh, January 6th, but they can't tell me who placed two pipe bombs uh, in front of the political parties. Well, that's right. That's right. So people are getting more fed up and they're paying attention. But today, what you need to know, this segment, the wink, please visit proamericareport.com. Sign up there for the daily email. Please visit phyllisschlafly.com. Sign up there uh, also for our emails. I, I misspoke. If you go to proamericareport.com, you sign up for my Substack feed. It's it's not regular. It's um, every maybe week, uh, sometimes every three days, I write longer form. Uh, but if you go to phyllisschlafly.com, sign up for the daily email, the wink, and you get that in your inbox at 8 a.m. East Coast time every day. But um, today's subject, to, what you need to know today is... America's pronoun, America's pronoun. I know it's a bit tongue in cheek, but America's pronoun is we, not he. We, not he. I want T-shirts made. We, not he. What do I mean? Well, I just was down uh, earlier today and I was in the courthouse where um, the appellate argument was taking place uh, for Donald Trump uh, in the Court of Appeals for the Washington for the District of Columbia about the question of whether the uh, criminal charges against him are way too far and outside of the norm of what's ever happened ever. Nobody's ever done it. And the argument is Court of Appeals. So it's three judge panel with Court of Appeals. And I sat there through it. It went on for about 90 minutes supposed to be 40 minutes actually it's supposed to be 45 minutes went on for 90 minutes at three judges asking lots of questions but but here's the thing it is an example of what is the ongoing battle 
that is lawfare. And what's at stake is not just Donald Trump. Donald Trump and his pre- and his, his candidacy, Donald Trump and the 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 uh, future of the presidency is at stake in these battles. This this court of appeals fight was over whether it's true that you can charge any president with any crime that he does in his when he's in office. So can you go back and charge uh, Obama made a decision to hit a drone to send a drone that killed Americans? He made a conscious decision to do that. Should he be charged with murder? There's people that say yes. There's people that say, yes, should Joe Biden be charged after he's out of office for the crime of letting people in and people knowing, you know, knowing with um, with foresight that they're going to kill people, the cartels are letting people through. Should he be charged? And on and on and on examples of George W. Bush. And and that's the question. And the founders, when you listen to these arguments, the founders at the beginning of this nation had this rich sense of protecting us from ourselves and from each other, from factions. And they had this sense that you couldn't have a president looking over his shoulder at the uh, at the the people who were uh, against him, his next political uh, opponent, and have to worry about this. You had to have some insulation. And be clear, it's if you steal the China, if you steal the silverware from the White House, that's a private act. That's not what we're talking about. Right. If you slug someone, punch someone in the face, private act. You could be charged with that as a criminal, a criminal matter after you get out of office generally. But, but, but as to your, your job, can you be second guessed? And that can't be true. But here's my point. They're obsessed with Trump, but they're taking down America. They're taking down our republic. And here's why. You heard me say our pronoun, America's pronoun is we, not he. And it's true, again, because the king of England is a he. The crown jewels, you can visit the crown jewels in England. And you go to the crown jewels, if you go to Buckingham Palace, if you go to Westminster Abbey, you can look at all the accoutrements of the king. There, There is a crown. There are crown jewels. There is a scepter. There is a special seat that you have to sit on, a, 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 a royal throne. There are, they, and, they, and the underlying assertion is that your sovereignty in England comes from him, comes from the king. It goes from God to the king and comes on to the people in England. That's a model of living together that we in America rejected. We said we're not going to be about he. We're going to be about we, we the people. That we the people are the ones that have the power given to us by God. And then we come together and we form this Republic and we go about it. And what are our crown jewels? There's not a crown jewel. There's not a crown jewel in a museum in America. That is, that is like, you know, uh, George Washington's tiara. He could have done that. He didn't. But if you go to the museum in the nation's capital, you'll see the crown jewel under protection. It's the constitution, the bill of rights, the rule of law. And the crown jewels are being not just tarnished, they're being destroyed, stolen and destroyed by the lawfare that's happening. And we, the people, are the ones that are in charge, not he, the king, not he, the president, not he, the Department of Justice, not these individuals that think they know better than we do. Ultimately, it's an arrogance of power. Ultimately, it's an arrogance of power. Does does the the few the few he's in charge, Joe Biden, does, it, does he, Obama, even Trump, does he think 
he has the power from God or do we, the people have it and therefore all, all emanates out from there. And that's, what's at stake. That's what's at stake. And you watch watching the machinations of these prosecutors, watching the gamesmanship that they're playing. It's not a game. It's not a game. It's lawfare, which is a word derived from derived from warfare. And it's against we, the people it's against what we set up. It's against the system that holds us together. It's against the values that we hold dear. Our pronouns are we, we, the people, it transformed the world that somebody did that, that we, that we, the people did something so dramatically different, so different than anybody else. It's extraordinary to think about. And in the in human history, the whole world, they look at it and they marvel. And we're at running the risk of losing it. We're running the risk of, and, and look, there's always been powerful people that have been persuasive and been leaders. And sometimes we haven't liked them. You know, I didn't like a lot of what FDR did. I didn't like how he used government, but a number of times his power was limited dramatically struck down by the Supreme court. Then he tried to load the Supreme court. He tried to jam people onto the, the, the Supreme court packing. They called it. He tried to pack the Supreme court and he lost. And so we've had these crises, these momentary crises of, 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 of threats, but it's never been like this. It's never been like this. It's never been as, 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 as uh, clear to me. It's never been as uh, broad it, and it's never been as powerfully done. Meaning the media is standing by and watching it. The media is standing by and watching it, I guess, under the guise of just hating Trump. You know, th there was a reporting from Raheem Kassam and his his uh, his national pulse uh, of of some reporters outside. And I, I think it was caught on video uh, audio, but I didn't hear it. So I can't vouch for it. But but the thrust of it was that uh, they were saying, you know, wouldn't it be funny if uh, Trump comes to this hearing? And, you know, he, he's going to be on the wrong side of the car to somebody take a shot at him. Ah, ha ha ha. What if he was wearing a convertible? What if he's driving in a convertible? Ha ha ha. This kind of sickness. I, I don't know if it's really true. But I do know that the power of the media and big tech and working with the government to say evil, evil, evil about other people, about we, the people, it's out of control. It's out of control. And the, and the lawfare is using it's using the system that makes us so great. It's using the system to take us down. And when it's done, the, the shell, the husk of what's left won't be sustainable. It won't be reproducible. It won't be able to be uh, reclaimed. And the danger will be that you'll have to trust someone. Remember Rahm Emanuel? Never let a crisis go to waste. Just trust us. We'll fix it. Well, we'll do it. We'll take care of it. You can trust us. You can trust us. Why, why, why wouldn't we? It's amazing to see. And the number of people that should know better that are quiet brings me back to the, the, the communist Soviet era where people would talk about the power of the powerless and the silence that people had, because you just didn't want to raise your head, head or your, you don't want to raise your voice or your head because they would take it off. That's what we're living in. It looks like it feels like it's dangerous times. Choose your pronouns carefully. We, the people, we, the people. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin, pro America report back in a moment.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Of course, you've heard me talk about the many, many writings of the late Phyllis Schlafly, and she was prolific. And one of the things that she started doing, and, and, and our next guest is Sue Kunstman, who's the editor of the Education Reporter, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles Education Reporter. And Phyllis Schlafly started writing the Ed Reporter, we call it, the Education Reporter, many, many years ago. Sue will fill us in on exactly how many. Uh, but the idea was on the question of education – tracking what's going on, the issues, um, a couple of the of the the ways that Phyllis knew the importance of the education issue was, for example, what the Texas school board did in terms of purchasing textbooks for decades because they were the by far the largest purchaser, they would influence what was in textbooks. Um, another example is uh, for many, many years, uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly would send in a spy into the uh, National Education Association's annual meeting. That's the union, one of the teachers unions and and get reported back. Now, most of those we used to be secret meetings. They, they broadcast most of it now. So it's a little easier to see what they're up to and they're and they're more even more brazen than they were about their resolutions and all. So anyway, the education reporter, which if you go, I'll put a link up on social media. It's at the Phyllis Schlafly.com. Uh, and you can go uh, into, you can see the link at the top. Um, and Sue Kunzman is the editor of the education reporter. Welcome Sue. How are you? I'm good. Ed. Thanks for having me on. So what is that history? How many years ago did they start the ed reporter? Do you, is there one specific time? Oh, Phyllis wrote about education in her Phyllis Schlafly reports for, ed, for years, but uh, what do we cite back to the, uh, to the year for the ed reporter? Well, of course, Phyllis's uh, interest in education goes way back to when her children were small and she taught them to read herself mm, right, uh, right. using phonics, of course. But actually, she started the Education Reporter as a print mailed publication in 1986. Wow. So listeners can see that, that as far back as 1986, Phyllis was chronicling what was going on in education and, you know, the, the continued leftward slant of, of, of the curriculum and as you mentioned, the textbooks. And so a lot of what's going on today, we have built on what she started back in 1986. So in other words, we have a continuous line of research and and reporting that, you know, dates back to then. And we can see that most of the things that are going on in the schools today are not new. They've simply been taken a step further and a step further and a step further. Well, and that's what I was going to say. We're talking to Sue Kunstman, who's the editor of the, uh, the the Education Reporter, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles Education Reporter. I was going to say that what's old is new, right? What's new is old. I mean, in some ways, you, you see the same. You, sometimes the names have changed. They've changed the names a little bit. You know, there was a time where Common Core was called different things. And um, but but one part of that that I wonder, uh, Sue, when you uh, and you know, you, now we have um, it, for for a period of time, Phyllis Schlafly was sort of the main writer. She would sometimes have others contribute. But now we've got people that contribute. Uh, we've got book re- uh, um, book reviews and different things. But when you look at that history, have we lost ground or are we just fighting the same ground over and over again? How would you feel about that? Well, I think to the extent that they, as you pointed out earlier, that they have gotten more blatant. I think it's gotten worse. Uh-huh. However. However, I, I do think that it's the same thing over and over. And, and what has happened is there's been a continuous trend toward not teaching academics. I, I think that's the key today that people under, need to understand is that it has become a matter of training activists as mm-hmm. opposed to 
educating for a child's future or for future citizens. And, and you're right. We have had some some very uh, good people weigh in in the education reporter, like, for example, Dr. Mary Byrne, who is a right. very influential um, researcher and reporter on education issues. Also, Dr. Miriam Grossman, right. who is an eminent uh, child and adolescent psychiatrist. She's also an author. She's written two great books. And uh, we were able to interview her in our November issue. So um, if anyone wants to access Education Reporter and check that out, um, you know, it's very informative and, and scary. So, uh, yes, I, I think things have gotten worse. The good news is parents are more in tune to it. Now the parents see what is going on. They see that their children are not being educated, but rather indoctrinated. And another thing we, we report on regularly is all these wonderful parents groups that have sprung up. Uh, right. Moms for Liberty. We've, we've spoken with Tiffany Justice, that, who heads that wonderful group. Um, um, parents Defending Education. There are just so many now. And, and so it's very heartening because these groups are, are national and, and they're reaching national audiences. So I think there's two things going on. One is that um, the education system has moved even further to the left and gotten worse as far as indoctrination rather than education. But on the other hand, we have a lot of, of, of parents who have, have uh, woken up and, and, and see what's going on. Uh, again, we're talking with uh, Sue Kunstman, and if you go to phyllislafway.com and click through, there's a, a tab there, Education Reporter, and you'll see lots of times, in fact, lots of the, uh, we mentioned earlier, the uh, John and Andy Schlafly, Schlafly Report will also write on the topic of uh, of uh, education and schools and all. Uh, it's interesting, you know, they, we've had lots of different guests and lots of different people talk about the question of homeschooling, private schooling, uh, public schooling, but the reality is that most people have said that they you can't give up on the public schools. And I think that's an important part of this. Yes. Yes. However, I will say that uh, homeschooling has really taken a jump. Um, There's also a new phenomenon that can in some ways be attributed to the teachers who have gotten so disgusted with what's going on in the public schools that they have broken away from the public schools and started what are called micro schools. Right. These are small groups generally of students that could learn um, perhaps in a person's home, in a hall, uh, anywhere they can, they can find to meet. And um, you know, it's, it's becoming a viable alternative. So we've reported on that as well. Yeah, so, and, and, and well, and, and the, the thing that's uh, the, the thing that's uh, surprising to me is after COVID, I, I thought like there was a lot of energy, and 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 people were really never going to go back to what I think was the um, was the fail the failure so dramatically of the schools, or or maybe people seeing the failure, and yet uh, a lot of people did, and I, and I, again, my point in that is not to say not to uh, to critique people, and in fact, when you look at the Education Reporter, we're talking again with Sue Kunzman, who's the editor, you, you know, the resources there, if you're in the public schools, there's resources that you have to be able to access to say, make it better, control it. I mean, um, and, and I, I, you know, we've always maintained and Phyllis did, you can, you know, if you can do it homeschooling, great. If you can do private school, great. But if you can't, you are where you are and we've got to figure it out. And I think that's one yeah. of the things to be able to say is um, where, you know, how do we get the resources to, to help people do that? Um, 
Sue, is the uh, is the school um, the uh, moms movements, you know, moms for liberty, moms for America. Um, is that even in your, you know, the last about three or four years that you've been editing the education reporter since Phyllis passed away? Um, is is are, are, do they look as strong as they seem? I mean, are they as strong as they look? And that's what I meant to say. They, they seem like they've got a lot of energy. Well, I think so. I, I think some of them more so than others, and, and that's to be expected. Um, I think Moms for Liberty, certainly. I, I know I just saw something that they put out recently where they're planning additional growth. They're hiring people. So um, I, I think they are a very strong group for sure. I think Parents Defending Education is a really good group. And those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. But there are others that maybe not as influential on a national basis, but are working at the local level. I know in California, there are a number of, of parents groups that are very active, although you may not necessarily know them, you know, nationally. Right. So I, I just think it depends. I think I'm hopeful that they will grow stronger rather than go the other way. Um, I, I think as long as, is the schools continue to push you know, critical race theory, uh, comprehensive sex education, push the transgender agenda, all of those things, which we write about, of course. Um, I, I think parents are going to stay engaged because I think that most parents, while some parents, of course, go along with it, I think most parents don't want their kids learning that stuff. They want them to learn right. to read and write and do math, and they, they want them to be prepared for careers and, and, and for life in general. And, yeah. and they see that that's not happening. Well, um, as they, they old uh, saw, is knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And if you go to the Ed Reporter, the Education Reporter at phyllislafway.com, Sue Kunzman's been our guest. She's the editor of that. There's a lot of different knowledge, a lot of uh, knowledge that can be powerful, understanding what's going on. The Ed Reporter, uh, both online and you can get uh, a paper copy, print out a paper copy. And um, so go check that out, phyllislafway.com. Thank you, Sue, for your time. We're out of time. Uh, we've got to take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We were just talking off the air. Our next guest, Dr. Carol Lieberman. She was on the show too long ago. Um, she's really gotten so much attention. She's been on Tucker, uh, Laura Ingram, Newsmax, a bunch of all over the place. And uh, her web website, terroristtherapist.com. Her podcast is there. Uh, she's on voiceofamerica.com. She's um, her, her background is as a forensic psychiatrist, among other things. But she's written... Uh, four books on terrorism, on relationships. Those are sometimes related. And and she's uh, a well-known psychiatrist. So welcome back. How are you, Dr. Lieberman? Thank you so much. Good to be back. So first, may I ask you, how crazy has the smartphone made us? I know it's out of the blue, this question, but I just was it's it's it feels like we've been manipulated so dramatically. And the smartphone is the sort of gateway well, yes, in many ways, actually. And of course, the worst uh, criminal on it is the Chinese Communist Party and TikTok. Right. 
I mean, it certainly should be banned. And I watched the congressional hearing where the CEO spoke. And after that, if anybody had any questions about his lying and what they were doing, they shouldn't. Right. It should be banned. And of course, there's an example, uh, a recent example that points to this all the more. And that is that the so-called influencers put up on TikTok. And I, I, what I'm trying to say about TikTok is that not, not only is the content bad and purposefully bad, you know, right. uh, China is our enemy. They're not doing this by, by accident. They're trying to destroy us and particularly our younger generations. And they're doing a good job of it. And one way, uh, maybe the one of the worst ways is that recently they had some influencers who posted uh, Osama bin Laden's letter yeah. to America from 2002. Right. Um, but they chose, it was not the whole letter that they posted. They just posted certain parts, the parts that had to do uh, in particular with Israel and Jews. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was his letter was much longer than this, but they just picked out those parts. And of course, the letter in general was his rationalization for why he it was good that he attacked America and that America is bad. And, and you know, uh, and and that goes that in general goes with what kids, you know, younger generations are being taught in school from not just, you know, Ivy League colleges, but from preschool on. There are teachers who have been outed, who have been exposed. They've still kept their jobs, but they've been exposed for teaching not only to hate Israel and to hate Jews and anti-Semitism and all of that, but all kinds of of radical left thoughts. And so when Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th, you know, that brought out all these pro-Hamas and pro-Palestinian protesters. And that that has been that people should understand that this is a manifestation evidence of just how bad all this education is. Our schools have been taken over by the radical left. That's not news. But what's news, I guess, is or what is my particular um, focus of attention as the terrorist therapist is how we are there. It's more than a, a rebellion you know, a youthful rebellion. It's jihad. They are basically being taught jihad because Osama bin Laden is the prime example of someone who hated America and who attacked America. And that's basically what they are being taught, why they should hate America. And so we are not only in danger, um, as we have been, from foreign terrorists, you know, coming from radical Islamist countries, but from our own country, from our own youth. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Nancy Lieberman. And the qu- the question I have as a psychiatrist, Carol, Carol <laughs> I'm sorry, excuse me. Sorry, that's crazy. I, I, I'm looking at my notes. I, actually, on the top of my notes, I wrote that and crossed it out. Sorry, Dr. Carol <laughs> Lieberman. I apologize. I, that probably does happen to you more than uh, than it should. Um, sorry about that. Um, but as a psychiatrist, my question to you is, I mean, I see it. I'm a lawyer or whatever. I'm a father. Uh, but as a psychiatrist, it the 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 is the word neurosis am i misusing it the 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 ability for the technology the social media big tech and big uh uh big tech and big media to 
rewire people to believe things that I mean, you couldn't get away with being so dumb. And somehow, you know, on on, on the question of bin Laden or the question of uh, some of the way people have been talking about Hamas, if the world wasn't allowing this tool. And that seems to me to be, I mean, really makes a bunch of people. And and same thing with Trump, by the way. I mean, meaning Trump, TDS, uh, people that just I I look at it, I say he's not even that conservative on a number of issues that I care that I care. I'm more conservative, but people act like he's Hitler. And I say to myself, that's been done to them with these powerful tools. And it's like a psychosis. Yes. And and it's going to get worse with AI. You know, our world has been turned upside down because of wokeism and it's going to just get even worse. And this attention to uh, our phones or social media and all of that is hurting us in other ways, too. You know, all this time, especially younger generations, all this time that they should be using their years, their time to be learning, you know, learning the correct information and doing sports and doing other extracurricular activities and all of that. They are just glued to their phones. And it's also it also has interrupted a really important part of American life, which used to be the uh, dinner table yeah. where parents would talk to their kids. How was your day? What did you learn in school? Oh, you learned that Trump is Hitler. I mean, right, right, you know? right. So that's being taken away. And instead, they're they're getting more of their news and more of their information and they're believing more because it's cool. Right. TikTok. So after this, uh, the influencers put up this uh, 2002 letter to America by Osama bin Laden, uh, they became groupies of him. And then there started to be a conversion to Islam or radical Islam. And then but then so after that, the Daily Mail did a poll did a study and they found all kinds of interesting things, including that 30% of Gen Z think that Osama's bin Laden's views are a quote force for good. They wow. were, you know, they have a power for, there was a, in general, in, in the youth, there was a 20% positive view of Osama bin Laden and 30% of Gen Z think his views are. So, so we are literally, you know, our schools are becoming majorasses. Mm-hmm. And I blame this whole thing, not just on the schools, of course, You know, that is very important, but also on Obama, who I call the terrorist sympathizer in chief. It is coming out now. That's the one good thing that's been happening. Um, It's been coming out now more and more how anti-Semitic he is, how pro-terrorist he is. I mean, people don't know about all of the things, all of the way he has supported. I mean, they may know some of the things, but it goes beyond what we know. The ways that he has supported terrorists and then, of course, the TikTok. So those three things, Obama and TikTok and the radical left schools have are, are really are turning our kids into jihadists. Right. And uh, we have to remember that Obama went to a madrasa. Uh, Dr. Carol Lieberman is our guest. One of the things, too, uh, Dr. Lieberman, that's uh, very powerful is that you're practicing. You're, you know, you're, you're not you're not someone who's now a commentator, you're practicing uh, a psychiatrist. One of the phrases that you use uh, on when you're on your uh, terrorist therapist dot com is helping families keep calm and carry on. And I just got a minute or two left. Um, how, how do you you know, you, you can you can say it's like I feel like I went back in time and my 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 dad was probably saying, turn the TV off. You know, we had three three channels or four channels but and now i'm saying to my daughter put your uh smartphone away you know when we're talking to so and but so what are some of the practical steps to sort of keep calm and carry on well since we don't have much time i know sorry step is 
to get my book, which is Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, mm. How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And in there, the ha- first half is for grown-ups, parents and teachers, and then the second half is a picture book for kids that really tell kids what terrorism is, you know, with pictures and mm. language that doesn't frighten them and so on. But they have to learn. They have to know the truth about why terrorists want to kill us, what's really going on with that. And then I give them 88 ways, to things that they can do with their kids to build resilience and so on. But the main, it starts with getting kids to talk about their feelings, finding out what the kids know or think they know about terrorism about what happened on October 7th, any news that comes out about terrorism, and then um, getting them to express their feelings and correcting what they are learning in school. I guess one of the main things they need to do is to look every day at their homework, at their books, at their lessons, and you know, go to the school boards and complain about right. what they're learning. Right. Well, I got the great recommendation in your book, uh, especially, and uh, thank you for being out there, Dr. Carol Lieberman, um, for being uh, such a voice and uh, challenging a lot of uh, people's assumptions and being strong on the TikTok thing. A lot of our, our more conservative folks won't say it. So thank you. I will put up on social media links to both her book as well as her website. But we've got to run against a break here. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast delivering a conservative pro-family perspective since 1983. As an author, speaker, and the founder of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Mrs. Schlafly spent an astounding 70 years in public service, protecting and defending the Constitution, the unborn, and America's sovereignty. Following that legacy, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Perhaps the reason few candidates mention the national debt is because no one has a solution. Even the candidates running as problem solvers don't seem to have any answer to this question. About twice a year, our government can't borrow any money to pay its bills because it's reached its debt limit. So Congress goes through a charade of raising what it calls the temporary additional debt limit. Congress should not raise the debt limit anymore, not permanently or temporarily. This would stop the fires of inflation caused by printing government bonds, which are then exchanged for Federal Reserve money, also printed by the Bureau of Engraving, to pay for those government bonds. Next, the government should sell some of its property, mostly unused, by the way, which it's acquired during the 250 years of our existence. Much of the land in Alaska and our western states is owned by the federal government. In addition, there are many idle federal properties in the east and in the south, such as shipyards, military posts, training camps, old forts, and even old post offices. It has been estimated that half of the national debt could be retired simply by selling off federal lands from all over the country. Not only would this bring immense savings in taxes now levied to pay the interest on our national debt, but if federal lands were sold to private owners, they would cease to be tax-exempt and would begin paying their fair share of local school and property taxes. Many states live under state constitutional provisions that require a balanced state budget. The federal government should start imitating those of our states which forbid their government to spend more than they receive in taxes. Our next president should stand firmly against raising the debt limit and work to cut the budget to get our nation's financial situation under control. 
There are ways to fix this problem. And the next administration must begin to implement these solutions so the debt crisis doesn't get worse than it already is. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Liberal politicians cannot be allowed to manipulate tax laws regarding Social Security, charitable donations, retirement accounts, homeownership, and the definition of family. Low taxes and smaller government are core values at phyllisschlafly.com. Join us, won't you, at phyllisschlafly.com. And thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Very interesting topic uh, to discuss as we uh, wrap things up. And that topic is uh, the arguments that are happening in the Court of Appeals right now and probably to the Supreme Court uh, on the question of presidential immunity. So it has long been held that a president may not be uh, sued uh, during office, may not be charged during office, uh, especially, well, let's say it better. There's immunity uh, civilly for a president for what he does. In other words, you can't um, sue a president for some uh, a civil cause of action. Um, and that he is immune then out of office for things that he did when he was in office. In other words, you can't have a president get sued for uh, um, some action that he took and be held liable by a fellow citizen. And so the immunities existed. The question that before the courts right now is on criminal uh, liability and, and it has not been tested before. So it, you can say, well, it's clearly established that there is civil immunity, but uh, for the president, presidential immunity, but that hasn't been tested on criminal. And the question is, is it different? And here's the thing, as always, as, not always, as often happens, as often as the case, President Trump clarifies with one uh, post on the truth social platform, the very heart of the matter, because he says, look, I did I did what I was doing while I was president. You can't criminalize the conduct of the president of the United States. You just can't do it because he won't be able to do anything. And the system will break down. But then what he says is, if this is what you guys want, well, then Joe Biden's going to be charged, right? Joe Biden has a problem at the border. He's ignored the border crisis, fentanyl, the ongoing crisis. And he says, so I guess, you know, we're going to charge me, going to charge him. And the real unstated, I wouldn't say threat, but the unstated description of reality by Trump is, is if this is what you want, you end up with a system that is just basically uh, whoever gets into power throws the other one in jail. And again, our system, America, our crown jewel is the is the rule of law. It's the uh, it's the Constitution and it's the founding values that understand how these things work and how human nature works, that you cannot ask someone to be the top level executive, the person in charge and have them always looking over his shoulder. There is a solution for wrongdoing by a president, and it's called impeachment. And, and if you're impeached, you could be barred from serving again. But it can't be that you're looking over your shoulder. The, the founders of this country miraculously, and I believe it was miraculous. I believe it was divinely inspired. They, they were able to, to utilize an, an understanding. They let's say it better. They had an understanding of the psychology of men, of men and women and of people and how they operate together. 
you know, how they work in a, in a setting as a society and otherwise. And so when they put in place this idea that, you know, you're going to be the president, you're going to be in a position where you're going to have to have the ability to not be looking over your shoulder, not be worried about everything, that it's going to hold you back, that it's going to be just whoever gets power next indicts the next guy and back and forth and back and forth. Instead, it's going to be this idea of uh, of of immunity that's going to be expressed for the time you're in office. And that's what that's what the question is. And this this uh, this week in uh, Washington, there's uh, arguments at the Court of Appeals because at the at the um, at the lower court, uh, when Trump said, you know, I'm immune from these charges in this in the uh, in this case, the judge denied that, but then said, yes, you're allowed to appeal. And so he's up on appeal. And so that's what they're looking at. And again, Trump cuts through it. Are you really going to have it be? That uh, each president is going to have to what charge the next president. Each president is going to have to give uh, pardon each each of his predecessors. Is that the deal? You come into office and you say I pardon you, or, you know, uh, or on the way out the door you pardon yourself. That's the other way it could be done. Yeah, every time you're leaving, you have to sign. It has to be that there's immunity. It has to be. It has to be that there's immunity. For the people, for the pe- men and women, there hasn't been a woman yet, but that will be serving as president of the United States. That system, otherwise, the system breaks down. Now, will the D.C. Court of Appeals have the courage to do the right thing on this? No, no. There's a bunch of liberal leaning judges that were appointed. They will definitely not do that. They will definitely not be doing that. They will be they will be um, caving in to the pressure of their appointments. They're, they're, they're the panel that's hearing Trump's arguments right now is uh, two Biden appointed judges and one I think Trump appointed or could have been George W. Bush. But so th- they're, they're not going to do the right thing on this, but it's going to have to go up on appeal. It's going to have to go up on appeal and it's going to be uh, therefore um uh, you know, um, handled by the Court of Appeals. And ultimately, as John Schlafly was just saying to me, it's definitely a, the uh, a, a court of uh, first impression. A, a, I mean, excuse me, it's a it's a case of first impression, and therefore it will be a ripe uh, uh, for the Supreme Court to take it up. And they, you can expect the Supreme Court to take it up. How fast? Different question. And will the lower court... Judge Chutkin, will she say, you know what, I, I stayed things so you could appeal it, but I don't have to let it be a, a stayed forever. Let's just go do this case. Let's do this trial while you're appealing things. I think that's what she wants to do. We'll see if she'll ha- if she has the chutzpah to do that. So um, uh, one to watch. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. As always, thank you to Noah. Uh, Noah. Wow, that's funny. And I was going to say Noah Dingley, my old producer. Thank you to Ryan Height for our producing, produ- producing the program, staying on top of these things. Mason Mohan, uh, associate producing, and all of you for listening. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there uh, for my long-form writing. And visit PhyllisSchlafly.com. You'll find both the sign-up for our daily email, the wink, as well as you can track the John and Andy Schlafly columns and uh, all the other things that are present on the uh, phyllisschlafly.com website. I just was reviewing a column that Phyllis wrote in 1992 before Bill Clinton was elected, describing what Bill Clinton hoped to do and how problematic it was. Uh, To say she was prescient is uh, an understatement. She was really amazing at seeing what things really uh, meant and what was happening. So... That's all I've got. We'll talk tomorrow. It's Ed Martin, Pro-America Report. Talk to you then.